and welcome to the Special Needs Sibling Podcast, where we talk about what life is really like as a sibling to someone with special needs. I'm your host, Charlene, and today our guest is Molly. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. It is an absolute pleasure and honor, and I can't wait to talk. So thank Yay. you for listening. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I guess we'll jump into it. Uh, can you lay out your family structure? Well, this is going to be a fun one because this, this is a fun part of your story. But yeah, if you can lay your family structure, uh, kind of your place in the birth order, who has a disability, and any fun facts about them. Okay, cool. Well, I was adopted at six months old from Pusan, South Korea. And my family, I am one of 12 siblings. So we grew up in an affluent suburb about two miles north, what's called the North Shore of outside Chicago, uh, next to Northwestern. So a highly predominantly Caucasian environment, okay. um, very high achieving, high performing, um, some of the wealthiest towns in the United States at the time. Oh my so gosh. We up, yeah, we grew up not just in idyllic Midwest, <laughs> but in some of the most affluent, our high school at the time in the mid nineties was the number two public high school in the nation. Oh so my we gosh. Grew up, we grew up at yes. our graduating class was a thousand. So we had 4,000 okay. students, which is not as common in the state of Colorado where I'm currently okay. an administrator. Uh, yeah. So I am number six. Uh, I was the okay. first adopted. We have seven other adopted in our family. Six of us are adopted from South Korea, not um, biologically connected. We are all separately adopted. Uh, one is from China, and she is actually 10 years older. So my parents adopted her at 15. So she is actually oh. older than me, even though I was the first adopted. adopted. She was okay. the second adopted, but she's 10 years older. She was adopted in her teenager. Yeah, so she was adopted yeah. at 13. Um, and then we have one that was in the south side of Chicago that our pediatrician just kind of said to the <laughs> parents, hey, you seem to be down with this whole adopting thing. Oh my gosh. Um, we have this kid who has yeah. a crack mom. And so he is ironically, he was the first one who went back to South Korea when he was in the military doing service. Oh, and so funny. it's a big joke that the Caucasian brother yes. is the brother that went back to South Korea. South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the first pilgrimage, but his really wasn't because he's Caucasian. Right, and, yeah. born in the south side of Chicago. But that was kind of cool. He enjoyed it thoroughly and loved the culture. And he was actually yeah. telling us more about our culture as a individual who's a military individual than for right. us who hadn't been there since we were six months old. So we have yeah. uh, multiple individuals that have disability. Okay. So we have the youngest three, um, all had learning disabilities. Uh, the two youngest, Michael and Anna, actually have mild cerebral palsy. Okay. And then I, you know, the film that kind of connected Charlene, you and I to Liz and I is yes. actually the one of our sister, Take Me Home. Anna is the youngest, 33. She is actually, so she has mild cerebral, mild cerebral palsy, but she also had a cyst on her frontal lobe. And so that causes very minimal short-term memory. And okay. then her learning disability is about cognitively at a first grader. So okay. as my parents continued to adopt, they actually were encouraged <laughs> because they were in their 40s as adopted parents, not 20s. Oh my gosh. Um, they yeah. had had seven, eight kids at that point. They were starting to ask our parents if they would adopt special needs. 
Um, so, which I found very interesting that that actually, as my parents got older, well, yeah, they would get more complicated and more needy. Yeah. yeah that's so interesting. Yeah. But huh. I think the idea back then was, okay, you're in your forties, you already have biological kids. You've already been successful parents of adopted kids. Then mm -hmm. you're probably better prepared to handle special needs. But oh, because they've now, already kind of gone through their ringer, but it's like yeah. ironic because they're older, so that that's not in their favor, but yet they experience, oh, that's such a weird, totally. so yeah. I think, <laughs> I think in the 90s, it made yeah. sense, but now mm -hmm. as we're older, and I know you and I chatted over the summer, like as we're yeah. older, now my eight-year-old parents are rearing somebody who's cognitively a first grader. Yeah. You know, so that unfortunately is the flip side of it. That yeah, yes. they were probably mature and better parents when Anna arrived 33 years ago. Right. But then now they're 80 years old taking care of somebody oh. who's like a first grader. I does she still live with them? Yeah. Yes. So they she is okay. A, my parents are well, specifically our dad is okay. a full-time caregiver. Our mom has been going through in the last several years some mm -hmm. severe hip immobility oh, issues. No. So okay. she is, and she works as hard as she can and does as much as she can, but there does become sort of where our dad is a bit more, she's a bit more yeah. dependent on my dad. So my okay. dad is kind of taking care of our mom, who is just sort of been immobilized because of physical ailments and then yes. Anna. So yeah. at 80, that's pretty impressive, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's so fascinating though, because it's just like it's just so different, and it, and it's unique. But it's like that's the fun part that makes your family unique. But it's also like, it's like there's a lot to it. But like, hey, to podcast people can just listen to whatever they want. So that's the nice part about like just talking. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, on the podcast, we like to keep it a uh, pretty open forum because it's that's the fun part about like meeting other siblings yeah. and like talking about whatever. Um, is there anything you would like to talk about? Um, I guess my question would be, as you've been sort of delving into these conversations, has yeah. there any been anything that sort of surprised you or sort of like a haz that have come that have surfaced as a fellow sibling with a sibling with a disability that just gives me inside or the the listeners insight i think the thing that is, is the most interesting is like the the amount of like thematic similarities despite culture distance location family size and birth order yeah like, I think it amazes me the level of things that I will still connect. And obviously, like, so I'm the oldest out of me and my sister. We're only two years apart. And so I obviously, like, will naturally connect with, like, other older siblings who are kind of in that situation, which there's a good amount of people on the podcast who are one of two and they're, they're or, you know, even if they're not one of two, they're oldest and then their, their sibling has autism. But so we mm -hmm. will connect, obviously, on very, like, detailed things about that. But I think thematically... It's pretty impressive that I will talk to people from like Europe, Australia, Singapore, like and all these places, and it's the same, despite what the disability is, despite their order, like their birth order in the mm -hmm. in their family, despite the size of the family, like it, there's just certain things that resonate similarly, like with me, and then also like as I consistently talk to people, like it resonates within them also. Let's which. which 
depending on who they interact with, they may or may not be aware of that, obviously, right? Because it's like, it depends if you yeah. listen to it versus just talk to me. But it's, yeah, it, it's, I was pretty impressed because I just, I didn't think about it from that standpoint. I only thought, oh, you know, people with my specific kind of family situation with a disability will kind of get it. But it, it's been really interesting to talk to like, and all an age range too, just because I've talked to people who are like, in their early 20s, I just talked to... I've talked to two people um, that are 70. Yeah. So it, it's amazing, like, just the the commonality and, like... And obviously, like, things are different. And I think the the other thing that I find pretty interesting is, like, the because of the age, the more interesting thing is, like, when their sibling got diagnosed and kind of how that process was. Because I feel like that mm-hmm. is kind of different, like... Got, yeah, because kind of like, because Anna is slightly older than me. Yeah. Um, but that's still different. That so that like her and my sister's diagnosis might be like semi similar, but that's still different than your and my experience because we are not the same age, right? That and that's yeah. what makes it really interesting. Kind of like, yeah, like talking to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And and so I to clarify, like I'm sixth out of like and. And then my sister, Liz, who, yeah. you know, wrote and directed the film and I produced and it was sort of like a family affair. Uh, that's yeah. the least expensive route, let's be right? honest. Independent yes. film. You just I'm hire everybody you don't have to pay for. So, yeah. we, you know, um, but I would say that's interesting that Liz and I, in our family structure, and I, I, I don't want to sort of overstate something that I haven't asked my siblings directly, but I would mm-hmm. suppose they would agree and our parents that... And I've kind of said this because I'm an administrator in education for many years that I kind of wonder if that's why I'm pretty even keeled is because mm. I was sort of the youngest of the oldest. So I was the first adopted. The four older biological siblings were all under the age of 10 and our parents couldn't go to other Asian countries to go assimilate and be with your child for six weeks. Like some countries kind of require oh, when you're and okay. so. South Korea back in the 70s was sort of that post-Vietnam, there were there was a need. It became sort of an economy in South Korea. And so they were allowing transcontinental adoption. So Europe, United States, et cetera. They're allowing that to happen, but you didn't have to go to the country, the okay. home country, and sort of spend six, eight weeks, which my parents didn't have when you had four kids under the age of 10. Full family. That's more than the average census. And so I think it's interesting that I sort of have been able to be a pretty balanced human being because I was kind of the youngest of the oldest. So I was sort of taken care of and, and exposed to things at a young age you probably shouldn't be. Right. Because the oldest. Yeah. But then I also was the oldest of all the adopted, or I was the first of the adopted. And so I was sort of the older sibling to a ton of young siblings. Oh, that's and so interesting. That leadership yeah. that I think I have from that is I got to sort of learn from, but then also lead because I was smack, Liz and I were smack in the like middle. Literally in the middle. Yeah. Family dynamic, we're kind of the ones that lead a lot in the family. Like whether it's dealing with sort of where our parents are at or getting family reunions going or sort yeah. of ha- leading some of the communication, we end up being leaders in our family as middle kids, if that makes sense. 
that does kind of interesting it, 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 you know? it is yeah that's like a fun fact and yeah that's that's interesting because you kind of you get to like apply in real time or not maybe not in real time but like pretty immediately like what you learn from your older siblings and apply it semi-immediately yeah. to your younger ones because it's yeah. yeah and it's it's interesting because it's like one of the things that i never and i and i and this doesn't have this is a, more of a op- not open-ended the intention is to not answer this question or figure it out, but it's always been this thing of, you know, am I organized because like your your natural self is like that because you're nurtured to be that way because of the birth order because of the family situation, right? And like for a long time, I used to just be like spreadsheets on everything and have lists of everything. But my parents are very much like those people, right? They're very much like list drive their life, but it it makes sense just because like with with Angela and everything, like, if it wasn't organized on some level, like, she doesn't do well, right? Which is also really interesting. I'd be curious to see, like, if Anna has changed in that person, in that situation where Angela used to be very regimented, and, like, as she's gotten older, like, just due to, like, t- not uh, time with change being an adult, like, she's much more, like, she needs the skeleton, but she doesn't need it as regimented as when she oh. was younger. I don't know if like Anna has anything like that. I would not. say Anna still does. Okay. Now, now to your point, has can we process with her in a more um, like effective manner where she listens a bit more? Like to give you an example, like maybe she's thirty three. So she went to high school till she was 19 in Florida where my parents retired. And then okay. she went to the university that was next to my parents, which is University of Southern Florida, uh, mm-hmm. Central Florida, Central Florida. You can tell I live in Florida. I said it's in the South and I called it. Yeah, Southern. I'm on the West Coast. Well, I have absolutely Central no idea. Florida, UCF. <laughs> okay. It's in Orlando. Like literally like a mile from my parents. Like they kind of chose okay. that for a reason because the high oh, school is nearby. And, so close. And the, yeah. And the university had an amazing program for special needs where they would go to school part of the day. It was like an annexed area of the university. Went till she was like 23. And okay. then they would go in and like wipe tables. They would scan books. They would do daycare. So it was like okay. sort of that life skills aspect of it. And yeah. I would say then... She would definitely, it, it was definitely dysregulating for her to have anything change. You know, it was oh. so scripted. We do, we, we okay. file books this day. We clean the counters oh, this day. right, right, right. This is the day I, I'm with my best buddy. This is when my parents go to dinner and then I'm at home and dad gets me one of these five meals. Like mm. she was really regimented in that way. And I would say she still needs like to your sister's point, like still needs the framework. She still like has a hard time when my dad takes her laundry and wants to wash it. Yeah. On that the same day, same time. Like if it's Tuesday at six or whatever, right. Then it's okay. But not if it's like Monday at three, then it's like, well, even for Anna, it's not the day and time it's doing it. It's like sort of of has had like OCD-ish tendencies, not diagnosed, but more of the, these are the things I can control in my life. And mm-hmm. a part of it is my belongings in my bedroom. And so oh. to your point, I definitely think like your sister, like because in the last couple of years, my parents reached out to my husband and I mm-hmm. and asked us if we would be Anna's guardian, 
which I kind of knew was coming down the pike. I'd already said that when we first met 22 years ago. And we, <laughs> and we, I mean, truly. And we decided not to have kids for many reasons, um, some medical and some sort of okay. just personal. But yeah. what sort of sent us to the point of, hey, medically, we're having problems. Let's just not have kids. It was, I knew I was going to have Anna. Or I felt oh. I was going to say I felt. And yeah, so when your gut is that, like, you, you knew, like, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think like three-ish years ago, my parents mm-hmm. reached out and sort of formalized that. And I think that has helped because now I think when Anna does get to what you're saying with your sister, like needs the framework, but yeah. has a little bit of flexibility, I think what happens is I tag team with them. They'll text me and say, Anna needs to take a shower. We're working on making her bed. She's not letting us wash her sheets. And so I think if you asked me 10 years ago, there would be screaming, there'd be yelling, we'd have to de-escalate, and then maybe we could take a sheet while she's like at full length. Like they like heavily distracted, yeah. Like not in the room or something. Like secretly. Like she had no idea what was happening until you know. Like less yeah, is more like after now we can start to say, okay, we're going to do it tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to stay on the phone with you while dad picks it up. Okay. We're oh. going to be on the bed while you clean your room. So yeah. I do think like your sister, I think she's getting more understanding, but she still has a hard time when things change, if that makes sense. Yes, that does. Yeah. Cause, cause Angela, she's probably at first second grade also i think just based on kind of how she interacts with the world which she she doesn't do any like long form sentence or anything she kind of just does one word yeah things and that kind of yeah she kind of has she it's interesting because she has like her routine of her talking which i think is fascinating but she also likes to participate in groups where if we're all talking, she like wants to participate, even though she doesn't have the vocabulary, but she will still yeah. try. <laughs> yeah. And would you say like with your sister, have you seen your relationship change since you guys have gotten older? And how is that? Or if it has changed, mm. how has it changed? Oh, I think the biggest change was more the, when we all moved more so than, um, us getting older i think when i was younger we tried we like i like quote unquote tried to attempt playing with her right to to, to the level i could um but i feel like when we were living in the same house it was much more like oh yeah i would try to play with her or like or i went into like big sister mode where like i'm gonna make you do things or i'm gonna protect you and do these things and like right like i know what's best for you type of thing so i kind of was in that mode versus i think when i moved when i moved out the first time when i got married we were only like 20 minutes away so it was like it was just weird not having her but i think that i feel like that was more of me learning um what things I did do to her, me, me and her being in the same house. So I kind of would like, mm-hmm. oh, like she has these habits and I realize like that's just the way she needs it, not the way I do. So I think mm-hmm. the first phase of kind of like us, it changing was just me understanding like what I like the house to be versus what she did. And then the second time when we moved, when we moved to Oregon, so she moved um, 
to Santa Cruz, which is like an hour and a half ish south of where my parents live. But I moved to Oregon, which is like, you know, 10 hours north of where they live. And so we happened to move the same week, which was not in plan on any level, but it just conveniently worked out that way that we moved the same week. And so that space has been really interesting because not only am I separated from my parents at that distance and her at that distance, but she also has is in her own room by herself yeah. without my parents. Yeah. And I feel like that has made the biggest change like ever, just because when I interact with her now, it's much more like... I don't feel like I'm in big sister mode. I'm just like, oh, we're like, we're just like friends hanging out. I'm just going to sit here. And right. And like, obviously like in your subconscious, you're still, you're still like running all through the things, making sure she's like fed and like, you're not messing with her routine. But like, I feel like I show up much more present and available than I did when I was younger, when we were just together all the time. And I, I think that's a mix of age plus distance like i'm sure like that has that that i'm sure like you know had i moved 15 years ago or something it would be it would be different i'd be trying to like bark at her through my video call or something yeah and do you think that she's gotten more like it sounds like she's grown a lot because she is more independent because she's in sort of that setting that you kind of explained to me when we chatted over this I guess it was the summer or spring I, I think so okay. yeah <laughs> <laughs> some time ago, ago. yeah months ago that's yeah. a good estimate yeah but, but I know when you're explaining it to me Charlene that was so intriguing like the work mm-hmm. that your parents had done and just sort of the community that had sort of created it do you feel mm-hmm. like that's been where you guys can be sort of at that friend level because regardless of where she's at cognitively first and second grade mm-hmm. do you feel like she's definitely expanding beyond even that sort of where she was at because of that independence that comes from being independent yeah I yeah she definitely has the space to do things the way she kind of wants to and can learn to do them that way and that's and it's interesting right because because of the distance between me and her, I can only call her X amount of times, right? And it's not that I, like, don't want to call her more often. It's just because she's more nonverbal than is. Like, my phone calls with her are more one-sided than they are two-way. And so when I call her once a month, it's it's interesting because I kind of get updates from her caretakers or, mm-hmm. like, my parents through other things if things happen. And it's kind of... So it, it's interesting because it's, like my knowledge of her cognitive ability is only when I can see be with her in person, which is not that frequent. But what's interesting is that that can still translate through a phone call on video. And I can tell that it she's changed. But I just don't know, like, how. But I know that it's happened, if that makes sense. No, totally. I mean, even yeah. I think about... Like Liz, when she was envisioning and when she was creating the script, because it's still a narrative, it's not a documentary. And when she sort of came up with the idea, it was stress. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. talked about it. It was yeah. what's going to happen when our parents pass and we have, you deal with, as we get older, our parents passing. So that's like a stress. <laughs> My husband lost both his parents within a year, a couple of years ago to like severe Alzheimer's because his family is older. They were in their mid to upper eighties. Oh, okay. And so 
that going through that as you're in your 40s and 50s of now we're sort of taking care of our parents and then you compound it with somebody who's you know yeah. developmentally disabled and living full time in our search circumstance with our parents you know i i think that's like you bring up a good point like liz was sort of reconciling that stressor of what's going to happen with anna and how are we going to support her and then I think what happened through the production of the film mm-hmm. and the filming of it was sort of like, it's, there was a reason why it was a proof of concept. It was to see if how Anna would do. And then it was also to see how Anna would thrive. And she did. I mean, yeah. she is the film. And you really, truly in four days saw her independence, her autonomy, her empowerment, and her genuine personality come out through her acting. And that, I truly think, like you said, Charlene, I can't like quantify it exactly. I can't (laughs) can't, like identify it besides that I saw the journey of what Liz did to empower her and and find her own voice in the film. But truly the conversations we have for the last year, because we filmed it in August and now we're, well, I guess 13 months. That feels like seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be like, it's been intensive. (laughs) Even the conversations I have with her, I have, and I'm somebody in education who works with multiple varieties of people. So I feel like I'm pretty good with the special needs community because of what I do as an educator, but I still learned a lot of how best to communicate with my sister, not as an educator, administrator, or teacher, but as a sister. And so like your conversation with Angela, I don't know if you've noticed that, but like, because I saw that Anna grew and Liz really sort of fostered that we've been trying to continue to percolate it so like when I'm having conversations maybe five years ago what do you eat for lunch she would say pizza for like years and then I had that conversation yesterday (laughs) yep I'm good you know and that's fine but it's also now I'm being more specific in my questioning I'm being more thoughtful about how's your day okay tell me what it looked like Tell me what you did in the morning so that then she's generating ideas and she's sort of communicating um, in more depth than me just say, okay, that's cool. Or mom and dad sort of speaking for her, which happens. And so then now I'm seeing her sort of bring up conversations in our conversations. Like I just talked to her the other night and Mm -hmm. she's the one telling me about that. She has to clean her room. And so we're like, okay, well put me on the bed and you can, tell me when you're done with the toys or she'll bring yeah. up the dog, but they have a new dog and you know, she's working on sort of training the dog and she brings Aww. that up. She asks me questions about my husband. She asks me how my day is. So I'm definitely noticing yeah. now it still is definitely 70, 30. Right. You know, yeah. But, but still 30. like, but that's a major well, increase. Just like from, 95, yeah. five. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. I she's coming up with things that she wants to talk to me about, not just that we're talking, but she wants to talk to me about things. And that's why she's calling, if that makes sense. The difference that does. Yeah. So I definitely I think to like what you're saying with Angela, it's like when you see that sort of pop come off the top and all of a sudden you start giving that individual a little bit more um empowerment and advocation and agency which I think Liz did an amazing job at it's almost like she's the like when we Liz and I call all the time we're we're at this film festival (laughs) you're the star everybody loves you and she's like oh yeah that's fine 
like, <laughs> yeah, she's like nonchalant, like, eh, whatever. Yeah, like, like, I don't, yeah. Like, she's so more, much more humble than we're so excited for her. Right. And, that, and that's where you know that she knew it was a film. She knew she was acting. She knows that it's cool, but not that big a deal. And so it's yeah. just been fun to banter with her and, and see her humor come out. Oh, which she's hilarious. always had, but I don't think like Angela, she's been able to articulate it because she didn't have the vocabulary yeah, and the fluency. Yeah. Whereas I like when we she comes to live with us, I really want to get her into some programs and where she's reading more and where she's going yeah. to classes so that because once she was done at the university, my parents had done an amazing job to get her into Special Olympics and keep her active. Okay. But I think now I want to get her active physically for sure. But now I want to get her more sort of cognitively. Cognitively, active. yeah. And kind of like more challenge your mental capacity a little bit and see kind of how you can push her. And obviously yeah. like there's limits, but this is how you can make her feel like she wants to learn and challenge her in good ways that will help. And she doesn't even realize it sometimes, I'm sure. So then, so you you two are in different states right now, right? Okay. Yes. I live in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. It, that'll, I was like, that will be exciting. But, I mean, even my sister, when she, when she moved an hour and a half, that was already its own thing. But I mean, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, is she moving from Florida? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it's actually been Charlene's quite interesting because... Like I said, I sort of jokingly told my husband 22 years ago, like, hey, you By know, I'm going to get my sister. Like, a jo like, jokingly, honestly, like, hey, you know, I'm going to get my sister eventually. And he was like, okay, that's cool. Like, he's super laid back, dude. Yeah. And, and it was <laughs> sort like of my just, husband. You know what I mean? Like, sort of yeah. this, like, unwritten, written rule that was sort of a joke, but not a joke, mm -hmm. but never mm -hmm. real. Until, like I said, until my parents formally reached out. And it's been kind of interesting. Like, I can't pinpoint, like you said, when your sister just sort of has gotten more independent. Um, mm -hmm. But it, I can't pinpoint. But all of a sudden, in the last three or four years, she's definitely more attached to me. Um, she's closer. Oh, interesting. She's always, been, she's always been close to Liz and I. She's always been close okay. to her female siblings. So that's never been. Yeah, so that's not new information at but, all. Right. But it definitely swayed towards Molly more so than my oh, sisters. And interesting. And I don't think it was like this like epiphanous mom no. and dad sat down with Molly and now right. Hannah, <laughs> no. like yeah, I don't no. think it was that kind of neural connection, but I do think something shifted where her dependency on me and on Pete, I don't know if somehow she connected that she would live with us because now Charlene, like the last three years, my parents are calling more about helping with sort of the behaviors that are going on. And this is like typical teenage behavior, which I do that for a living. Yeah. So you, yeah. You literally on a day to day basis, you're like, I mean, my literally, life. <laughs> that's what I yeah. just left 12 hours doing. But <laughs> oh, I was no, no, back into it tonight, but I yeah. would say that's a part of where I think my parents have sort of utilized me a bit more specifically. Like I always was helping out oh, with the, Hey, Molly's struggling with, but she would, they would talk to a lot of siblings where it's now it's like, okay, well, let's talk about when you're going to live with us and when you decorate your room and you'll have chores and oh. when you're with a nanny while Pete and I are at work and you're yeah. going to work on these things. So it's been nice to be able to sort of actually connect with her and that, and to your question about leaving and going to another state, yeah. we've talked about what would you want your room to look like? You know, what would a day yeah. look like? 
we're going to have somebody with you. We don't know who that is, but they're going to spend some time with you. You guys will yeah. go to the library. You'll make your bed. You'll make meals. You'll go for walks. You'll go to the rec center. I right. said, so Pete and I will be at work. So it's been kind of interesting. You know, the funny thing, Charlie, I don't know if your sister has said this. And she might, it might be different because she's living independently from your parents. But okay. she's like a normal teenager in the sense that she's like gets sick of them. Yeah. They've lived together yeah. for 32 years. How many of us would live Oh, no. The, I, 32 years. I, I, I thank the Lord every day that I was <laughs> not at home during the pandemic. I like because, I thank the Lord. Yeah. Like, every, you're thanking a higher yeah, God, like a yeah, higher being. Well, yeah. To your point, it's the really pandemic. Funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, so glad. Like, Can I just move in with you now? Right. <laughs> Anna, remember you're gonna miss him a lot. I said right now you're frustrated, but I said yeah. when you actually Once leave you... and they can't come back because she's not connecting that. And oh, then we have to, right, you know, right, we have right. to say, okay, when are you gonna come live? When mom and dad are in heaven. And I'm like, yeah. So remember, you're gonna miss them. It's gonna yeah. be really sad. I know they're annoying you right now. So that I don't know if your sister, because you guys are a bit further away, that's what I'm feeling from my sister is. She's anxious to come live with us. She has the fantasy mm-hmm. of what that'll be great, but she doesn't yeah. connect the reality of how much her my parents yeah. stabilize her. No, yeah, I I know she was frustrated during the pandemic because at that time I only lived twenty minutes away, so you know they're they're just you're in the same social circles and whatever, and so it was funny because like. Between my mom, my dad, and my sister, like, because I would interact with them separately on, you know, semi, or, you know, we have separate conversations or whatever. And yeah. it cracked me up because cause from my perspective, I feel like they were all frustrated with each other, regardless of, like, who was frustrated <laughs> with who. They were all just not having it because it's, like, because my, so, so the thing is that Angela for, oh, gosh, probably, like, three or four years in her high school middle school through high school kind of period my mom homeschooled her because she took her out of the of the public school district just due to some issues and stuff like that so and it was nothing that could be resolved at that time like given the school and stuff we were at so my mom was just like i'll pull her out and so i already knew at that time that like they were stuck together like nonstop. and so when when she went back into school, it was great because then everyone kind of got their space again. Like I was working at that time and things like that. So it was fine. Kind of we all moved on. And so it it was interesting because then she had her day program, which was great because she was like on a school bus every day. Right. Went went to went to do like her bowling, the library, did all the kind of things that you were yeah. mentioning earlier. That Anna yeah. did, right. Like kind of you clean these things, you go to this place, this day, this place, this day. You kind of just like go in circles, but in a good way. And then, uh, then I moved out bef- before the pandemic because we got married in 2018. And so the thing is, like, when the pandemic happened, it was it was like, well, okay, it was hard on everyone. But the thing is, like, because they had to shut down her day program, yeah, she not only was like had that whole dysregulation from that. She then was stuck mm-hmm. with my mom, who then was trying to at and then at. At that time, she was she was working part time for the school that was across the street, or you know, a block and a half away from their house. So she's like on Zoom trying to like work with like kids, and my sister's at home. Right, my dad's trying to work from home, and it's like, 
Angela and I, for, for what it's worth, like the thing that I've noticed, this is the thing I've noticed as we've gotten older is that my and her personality are very similar. We like to go out. We love people. We love doing things like meeting people. Like we're all about it. Like, and we like our like downtime by ourselves, but like we like to be out. Like, it's kind of nice. Like if you can leave the house to go do something, that's great. Yeah. And so me and her are very like that. I feel like my parents are not those people. I feel like they're much more... They'll, like, sit at home and read books, sit in chairs, watch TV, take a nap, and, like, just be done. Like, they won't have to leave if they didn't have to. Yeah. And so I feel like during the pandemic, like, she really was, like, not having it with them. Because not only did her is her day program, like, not happening, right? Like, my mom's... And, and her scheduling was not in a position to, like take her out to go do stuff even like on our street just to walk around the block so she was just really stuck inside so i i know so when i would interact with them i knew her frustration was like up the wazoo just because and when i saw the three of them i was like okay like i don't i don't know what happened i just know it wasn't great but yeah so that's that's probably the time i saw her the most frustrated with them so it's been interesting like as she and and I knew that she was kind of getting into her teenage mode, probably like right before I moved out, because out of all the things that her vocab like her vocabulary is very limited, but she can you can still learn new words, right? Like it's not impossible. Yeah. And so I knew that the day she started saying "go away" all the time, I was like, "There you go. There's there's the teenage." So she'll kick everyone out. She'll kick me out, my dad out, my mom. She like if you if she's done with you, she's just like away. And there's no, you, you can't negotiate that. She's just like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> or she'll say bye sometimes. Like, it's... So she wants to... If she, yeah, she's in a mood, she will do that. So it, it's... I think it's pretty funny. Because for the longest time... Because my parents... I remember when she first started doing that, like, years, years, years ago. My parents were like, oh, man, blah, 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 blah. And I literally was like, she can verbalize to kick you out. Like, that, that should be an accomplishment to acknowledge, right? Like, that she, the fact that she has gotten to the point where she can yeah. actually tell you, get out of my space, like, that's, that's amazing. Like, yeah. Well, and it's so interesting you say that because I think, like, I've noticed Anna's vocabulary has expanded. Okay. And I, I, and I do think it's sort of, got definitely fostered through the production of the film where Liz was sort of, as she, I'm sure told you, she was sort of saying things, repeating things, mm -hmm. and then would draw back and allow Anna to take shape of that. And yes. so I think that challenged her vocabulary. But then it's also, I think it's just been the way we all have sort of evolved with her on that, you know, how like the trajectory, like as she's developing more, we're then sophisticating our conversation back with her. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like that give and take now because she's formulating more sentences and she's adding more of her personality and her humor in it, then I'm sophisticating what I'm asking her. Right. So I noticed some of that happening. So like you said, the away, I definitely think Anna at some points was just, it was punctuated, it was brief, and it was blunt. Yeah. Versus yeah. now, I think it's now got more elaboration in it. Now, do I think it's like above a first grader? No, I still think it toggles between first and second. Mm -hmm. But do I think within it, she's found sarcasm and tone, which is above a first grader? If right. Like, so there's like this interesting, like, um, I don't know if you've noticed with your sister, but like, 
when she gets tested, because we do that for guardianship and for when she comes to live with Pete and I, we had to do this to sort of help some of the programming that would happen when she oh, comes. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did the evaluation and stuff like as that. As I right? could until okay. she's physically here. There's only things, there's certain like Medicare, Medicaid, you can't do till they're in the state, but the other okay. stuff you can. Got and it. I noticed like when we did the testing, it was, you know, like IQ and all the other ones that you do yes. for your assessment of your cognitive abilities. It was mm-hmm. still first grade. But then when you saw her sophistication of how, what she says versus what she reads and writes is far higher. So her verbal and then it was interesting. Oh, okay. Her maturity is definitely teenage. It's not oh, a first grade. You know yeah. what I mean? And then when mm-hmm. she finds humor in certain things and I'll, she'll say, I'll say something. She'll be like, yeah, right. Like that's <laughs> right now. Right. You yeah. know, and, and even you hear it in the film where she notices that her tense choice is not correct. You know, when she says like a plural noun with a verb and they don't, they're not oh, conjugated correctly, the yeah. tense is correct. She'll actually says that in the film. That is somebody much higher than first grade. First graders are not necessarily formulating right. tense, present tense versus past tense. Yeah. So it's interesting how she's got aspects of maturity that is definitely 12, 13. But then when she reads and she writes, it's first grade, but her verbalizing, and that's not uncommon when you're doing like a second language too, that you're going to be able to speak more socially than you can read and write. That's always reading and writing is like the last last. on, but it's just been interesting to see her. And I'd be curious if you're seeing that with Angela, like it's been interesting to see her sort of show her maturity more and just how she's sassy. And she yeah. said, like, a we're all sassy. Like, yeah. stubborn. That's not first grade stubborn. You know, she doesn't yeah. stop and yell, you know what I mean? But she definitely yes. gets stubborn and she gets funny. And her level of that is more mature than where she's at, like, cognitively. If that yeah, I did notice that. Like, I, and I think, like, as I remember the first time I made that observation, like, way back when, probably when we were both. I was, I must've been in, in high school or college. And I remember I was like, that was like when she started, like her hormones, like just started to kick in, right? which is just due to puberty. Well, it's, it is due to puberty. And also like, it, there's, there's a bunch of things that kind of collide together that make it, you know, kind of insane. But like, I remember yeah. I was like, oh, it's so weird because she is reacting to this situation like she's 15, but like she she can only kind of communicate at like kindergarten level, yeah. right? She can't tell me what, but I know that she feels the things of a 15 year old. So I did notice it, but I, yeah, I never, I never really thought about it like again, kind of like until like we're talking about like, Oh, like I, yeah, it's kind of this thing where I feel like in my subconscious, I'm very aware of that. And it's funny because then when I talk to other siblings, I feel like we all, have that built into how we talk about them, right? We all know, like, those nuances, but, like, it, it, you don't, like, verbalize them out loud necessarily, even though, like, you've internalized a lot of it. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. But, no, my sister is hilarious. Like, she, she cra- she's always made me laugh, but she makes me laugh even more now because I think, I think now she knows she's making me laugh versus before I think she was just funny, Right, like she like, cause there's people who just naturally fun. Like then they're not, 
trying to make people laugh. They're just being themselves. So I feel like that was her before. But now I'm like, oh, no, I think she's doing it on purpose because she knows that I will laugh at it. So that's kind of the interesting thing. Like, the intention behind kind of, like, how how she talks and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I also think she's, like, I'm noticing with Anna, she's more vulnerable. Like, I think in the past... Mm when my parents would call any of us sort of just like, Hey, Anna's being a knucklehead. Help me, you know, <laughs> over okay. the, like, let's divide and conquer. There's like, 12 oh, yes. can you guys right. each help us? Yeah. We're kind of tired. We've been rearing kids for like 40 years. <laughs> so that's totally understandable. Yeah. And I remember it was usually like putting out the fire, you know, whatever was sort of angsty going on or yeah. the dynamic between Anna with our parents that's normal but now it's like and she wouldn't want us to know because she didn't want us to think of her differently she wanted us to think of her as like the perfect sibling that doesn't get in trouble that doesn't she's like oh i'm a baby like i'm the good kid like i'm like i'm this pro okay whereas now i feel like in the last i don't even know how many years but more recently like five or whatever years she's definitely become more like she knows when mom and dad call and it's like a tougher conversation. She doesn't love that I'm called, but she's, yes. she talks about it or she tells me what she's worried about or what is stressing oh. her out. Whereas I feel like in the past she didn't want any, and this would, she would do this at school. You know, she yeah. would act out on, on my parents for frustrations, but she would come to school. Like she was like the student of the year. Interesting. You know? And that's not uncommon in school. With special okay. needs, that there can be that much so like separation because she like lets loose, she lets her guard down with my parents, but right. kind of keeps it. She keeps it bottled up so that everything is good at school because she doesn't want to get in trouble. You know, yes, yeah, that's like the juvenile part of her development. But I, she used to do it with us, like don't tell Molly, don't tell Liz, don't oh. tell Katie. You know, I don't want them to know. And now it's like she, when she knows we know, she's now connecting the ooh. Now they know. Yeah. You know? Or she's like, so this is what's making me angry, or this is what's frustrating me. You know, yeah. she's so loving and kind. She'll always preface with, "I love them, but." <laughs> <laughs> them you know she always says I still love them yeah but I really you know yeah. whereas she wouldn't have told us I think because she didn't want us to think differently of her I don't yeah. think consciously she was necessarily like overtly processing that but I very much her actions were like that yeah that's so interesting so I, don't like I, yeah. so I feel like that's like a development like where you are vulnerable with people and you're being more sort of transparent. Mm. That's like a higher level, in my opinion, of yeah. sophistication than like when you're six and you and you like steal something and you put it in your pocket. Right. You knows you put it in your pocket, even though it's this gigantic thing in your pocket sticking out. Yeah. And, it, and I wonder if that's just like, I mean, I'm sure it's a, fa- a whole multitude of things, but I'm sure that's in a combination with like, as people treat you like you're old, I'll use quote unquote older because I don't have other language for that at the moment. But like, yeah, like as kind of like we were talking about like the give and take, like as she grows and you treat her that like that, that it's almost like it opens a gate to then that part of it. Right. Because yeah. part of it is a six year old won't do because they're just going to treat you like you're six versus like when that 10 years later, like you would hope that, you know, their parents or their friends or their cousins or relatives, or whatever, would then treat them like, hey, you are older. You need to kind of like 
not partially own up to it, but partially like acknowledge like, hey, what are you doing? So it's kind of interesting how that like all like plays in together. And then I wanna what I know that you have to kind of go soon ish. So I want to make sure we have enough time for you to like give your encouragement to Ariel, or you can finish off whatever last thoughts, and then we can jump into encouragement after that. Um, yeah, I'm okay. I have ten minutes, so I'm totally cool with whatever. okay. Yeah, you're the expert at this, so you tell me. Yeah, however, I I will leave the encourage. Well, we can jump to encouragement just because I know sometimes, like depending on what it, it's a mixed bag, because some people will be very short, some people will kind of have a longer winded thing. So I just want to make sure in the event that you get inspired as you're talking that we have space for it. Yeah. And and what am I doing? <laughs> uh, if you could give some uh, words of encouragement um, to other fellows, blah, blah, blah. other fellow special needs siblings listening to the podcast. Um, I would say, I don't know if it's like encouragement or just more like allyship. That like works too. Whatever you think is appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I'm always in a positive person, so it'll definitely be more towards encouragement, but more of the, I think what has been sort of cool that surfaced when my husband and I knew we were going to be guardians to Anna, we've been more intentional with sort of how do we prepare because she's in Florida and we're in Colorado? How do we... And then knowing that we're going to mess up and make mistakes like any guardian or parent um, <laughs> that's never done it. And so cutting ourselves in slack and, and sort of being empathetic to that. But then I also said, I think I would say the encouragement is sort of the amazing community that I think, and I definitely will give credit to my sister, Liz. Um, so she can say, I've never, you know, can't tell me that I've never said that. Right. But, um, <laughs> but I would say like, really a testament to her passion for this and her pursuit of this and wanting to build community because of her film, I think has even deepened my excitement for allyship and, and just being a community together. So that would be my sort of com like encouragement is when and because of what we've been doing with the film and and as I've been contemplating, I live in a very small rural mountain ski town in Colorado. And I've been thinking about like, we live 80 miles from the city. And so oh, that's there, pretty far. And then, yeah. And there are programs in the city, just like my parents have Special Olympics in Orlando. We have it in Denver. But okay. then when we get 9,000 feet and 80 miles away, the, there's different ways that we can create community. And so I would say the encouragement it is sort of, we were very intentional about staying here. There was probably a point maybe four or five years ago that maybe we loosely talked about me ending my career in Florida, being where six siblings live now, where my parents are. It's become oh, okay. sort of a popular place because we grew up kind of going there and yeah, Midwest in the cold. You sort right. of get away. Warm all the time, yeah, because yeah. you're it's still in cold right now. <laughs> yeah, It's definitely, I'm sure, a byproduct. But I think the other part of encouragement would just be that there's such an amazing community that I think has broadened because of the film, deepened because of where I'm at in, in this process of knowing in the next three to five years, Anna will live with us and yeah. thinking and trying to as best we can think ahead that I think I've been so appreciative of the literature that I've read 
of the people that you reach out and say, hey, this is what we're talking about and this is what we want to build through mm -hmm. our real abilities, SIBS with disabilities, SIBS network, yeah. Um, you know, Korean American adoptees, like there's just been such as like this, like amazing interconnected communities of individuals that are with marginalized populations, including disability, that it's just been really awesome to, like you said, there's like intersections of commonality that we all have as yeah. just guardians and siblings. And how do we support this sibling that can't live, that has struggles to live fully independently and it, we're going to be sort of their support system as our parents pass. But then it's also been like super cool to realize that there, the differences are what kind of helps us better understand how to do this. Because like even we've had people that have come up to Liz crying, of course, because it's a right. pretty emotional It's not a comedy. Uh, it's got comedic <laughs> elements, but yeah. it's definitely emotional emotionally driven film. But I think what's been cool is we when we we showed it to ARC, in New York and Liz was there and I was on Zoom. We had SIBs that were guardians of SIBs at the screening. Okay. And we said resoundingly, and this is, we've been in front of like mainstream audiences, but not SIBs with siblings. Sibs. Okay. So they, they even commented to Liz, which I thought was awesome. Like, absolutely. The sister is not going to be mourning and the, the guardian, and she's going to be focused on sort of what's the next task What's the next thing we need to do? Because when you become a guardian, you sort of do sort of remove the mourning of your parents and you focus on that sibling. So it was yeah. just interesting that Liz intuitively sort of put that in the film, but it would resonated within our community. So yeah. that's kind of my encouragement is there is so much and just we talking with each other and yes. sharing stories with one another. Like I've been in some conferences for equity and what bonded us was not the national equity work we were doing, which was more race-based. It was the fact that both of us had adult siblings that were living with our parents that eventually oh. became the guardians of. Wow. That's such a different I mean, like it's different, but it's not like that. That's crazy, though. That that's what the the bonding point was. Like, what? Yeah, that's yeah, that's so interesting, huh? Like, we've met so many people that when you bring up the themes of the movie, you know, disability, inclusion, representation, mm -hmm. caregiving, yeah, and there's so many people that have either good friends that are in that situation or they're directly involved, and then we all, if we're close to our parents, are thinking about caregiving yeah. and what do we do when they get older and they become the kid and we become the parent. Right. So it's really cool. Like, I think that's the encouragement I would say is that the community is broad. The community is the ones that we've reached out have been so open arms and let's talk together. This isn't, I'm the expert, you're the expert. It's that we are going through something with a commonality. And yeah. so that's like what I think when Charlene reached out to Liz and our conversations and relationships started was just knowing we had a through line. Yeah. So that would definitely be my encouragement is just, I am so impressed with, and I'm going to try to work better with staying, keeping those relationships up because I do live yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why we have the internet where me and you can check because we're in two different states. So it's great, like definitely doable. Yeah. 
It's been also, tremendous in that way, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, and, it, and it's cool because me, you, and Liz are all three different states, and I just got to her, so it's cool. Like, it, it's it's been the fun part about, like, yeah, meeting people all over the world. It's, like, time zones. It's, like, it's fun. Like, I can wake up. And, I mean, because, yeah, because I'm on the West Coast, I'm, like, the latest time out of everyone, so I just have to wake up early, but it's fine. And it's, like, it's so cool, to, yeah, just to meet all sorts of people all over the world. Well, I also think because my husband and I are going to be new at this and totally going to screw up all the time that I want to lean on those, like being a new parent and say, mm -hmm. did, you know, what did, what did you guys do and, and how did you approach it? And I mean, it's just like being an educator. You just try different things and you talk to people that are better at it and you talk through and you observe. And so I feel like being a part of a community is is the best part because I, we are very unfamiliar with this. We're just yeah. kind of going with it, <laughs> but we're leaning on others to be like, Hey, these are some ideas to try. Yeah. Yeah. Community is a very powerful thing. Yeah. And then with that, um, thank you for being on the podcast, Molly. Of course. And thank you so much for the time and being able to highlight the film as well. We really appreciate it because it's, it's been an honor to just be a, along the ride. And, and if we can get it to a feature, then that will be an even lengthier conversation, hopefully. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Cool, yeah. thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Special Needs Sibling Podcast. I hope you have a good time listening and feel encouraged in your own journey as a sibling to someone with special needs. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. And if you want to hear more stories, please subscribe to the show. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, the show can't happen without you. All special needs siblings have their own unique stories, challenges, family dynamics, and lots of life to talk about and explore. This podcast is here to let you know that you're not alone and that you matter. If you would like to be on the show or just chat off the record, please contact me. My info is in the show notes. Until next time, this is the Special Needs Sibling Podcast.